change can be painful. Not everyone accepts it. When Bournemouth dumped Gary O'Neill in favour of rising Spanish star Andoni Iraola, not everyone liked it. Not everybody understood it. A few games in, that uncertainty remained, and even the players weren't all on board. Even though they liked Iraola as a guy, they weren't entirely sure his ideas would work. But now the Cherries are safe in mid-table, and they've won seven of their last ten in the Premier League. Sometimes, even in football, patience pays off. I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. A top tipping team poised like coiled springs, including Mark O'Hare. Mark, fair to say, I think we were Iriola loyalists on the pod. We felt that this was going to work, and in the end, he got there. Yeah, it took a while, and uh, I think there was a period <laughs> there around September, early October, where we we're all starting to look a very, very silly indeed. Um, I think Emmett was in, in credit to him the most vocal, but I think we we're all very positive about the appointment and could certainly see why they made the change in the summer. Um, but yeah, it's brilliant to see things kind of falling into place. And, and you're absolutely right if you if you hear some of the the rhetoric coming out of the Bournemouth squad, in particular Dominic Solanke, who's enjoying a, a wonderful campaign. Um, I think Max Aaron's was the the latest one to come out this week as well who, who kind of freely admitted that um, during the early days they just didn't really know what was being asked of them or what was required in, the, in their new roles really but um, starting you know it takes time sometimes to to have this overhaul to have this complete transition from Gary O'Neill to, to something completely different and um, it's falling into place and Bournemouth are starting to look really really good um, and I'm really enjoying watching them so far this season they're one of the few teams now who you do sort of look out to see who they're playing and see can you try and catch that match and, and watch them in action so um, I think they've got the tools to, to really trouble Liverpool this weekend. I think there's a, an argument to suggest this could be a really good time to to play the Reds. Um, talking of arguments, I think normally when you see Liverpool away at a bottom half team at around 1.76, you, you have to have a, a serious look at, at that price and, and decide whether you want to get involved with it. Um, but I've had a... You know, that's where I started looking at this match. Liverpool at 176 away at bottom half teams feels like a, a good price to be involved with Liverpool. But... The more you sort of look into it, the more you sort of, well, I wheeled away from it in, in fairness and have gone the other way because this isn't going to be Liverpool at their best, Liverpool at their strongest. We know there's no Salah, no Endo, no Trent, no left-backs through injury. Um, Sly should be back, but I think it's fair to say if you look at the team who played Fulham in the Carabao Cup semi-final, it wasn't anywhere near the sort of formidable best 11 you expect yeah. from Liverpool. Gomez and Bradley at full-back, um, a midfield three made up of any of the Jones, McAllister, Gravenbush or Shoppersly. Still decent, but it's not the best. Uh, and then away uh, in the top end area of the field, they've still got that brilliant arsenal of attacking players, but um, there's not much in reserve really. So now, of course, they still are a very strong, very capable side, but are they good enough to go to, to Bournemouth and win comfortably? I'm not sure. So I looked at Bournemouth plus one here at 176 on the uh, exchange, which is the same price as the away win. My theory being, if um, if Bournemouth score in this match, are Liverpool going to score three or are Liverpool capable of winning this game comfortably? I'm not sure because Bournemouth have scored in 15 of 19, including 11 on the spin in the Premier League. We, they've grown into the campaign and, and even their last match in, in the league against Spurs, they might have lost that game 3-1, but they did not deserve to lose by that margin or even lose at all. I thought a draw would have been more than a fair result. They more than matched Tottenham 
throughout that match had 24 shots, which was the highest ever total in a Premier League game against a big six team as well. And even if you look at the the reverse game at Anfield back in August when Bournemouth were at the very beginning of this journey, they caused Liverpool all sorts of stress in that first 45 minutes. Um, So if they can replicate those kind of standards, I, I don't think there's any reason why they can't give Liverpool... Uh, a couple of headaches here. This is a Liverpool team who have failed to win half of their away matches. Um, they are unbeaten, obviously. They have won five wins, or they have got five wins from six unbeaten trips to teams in tenth and below. But not many of them have been completely convincing. You know, the two goal wins against Burnley and Sheffield United uh, on occasion it looked precarious against the Blades. Uh, and if you want to sort of labour the point again, this is a Liverpool side without Salah, without fullbacks, without a defensive midfielder. Their only away clean sheets came in the wins against Burnley and Sheffield United. They've only once scored three or more goals away from home this season. So. You can back Bournemouth plus one on the Asian handicap, but if they lose by exactly one goal, it's only cash back, really. So the way I'm going to play this is enter the sports book, play the bet builder, back both teams to score and back Bournemouth plus two on the handicap, which means as long as BTTS lands and Bournemouth win, draw or even lose by one goal, we get paid out. So it's just kind of relying on the fact that Liverpool don't win this game by two goals or more. And I, I do think Bournemouth can be very competitive. I seem to remember Liverpool beat Manchester United 7-0 last season and everybody was going, what a fabulous result. I think they might have then gone to Bournemouth and lost the very next game. So that's that kind of summed up Liverpool last season. Another man on that Iriola train, as Mark quite rightly said, trader and tipster Emmett O'Keefe. It is a tough test against Liverpool, but if you look at what Antonio Iriola did with Rio Vallecano, he used to relish the big games, didn't he? Exactly, yeah. We kind of talked about this, that during the season, they're kind of an outstanding record against Barcelona and, and and kind of Real Madrid last season, which kind of brought him to the attention of kind of club chairman all, all around all around Europe. I think as well, yeah, to me, I think this is a great opportunity to get Bournemouth on side. There's a few factors here. I still don't think the market is fully caught up at Bournemouth are. Like Bournemouth are, are kind of are, are, are sitting in kind of lower mid table, but like I, I think there's a real case to be made, as Mark alluded to, that the kind of the team they are in in the last eight matches or so, where they've won their won won six of those, and the, 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 and the two they didn't win, they battered Villa at home and, and were unlucky to draw, and as Mark said, played really well away to Tottenham. I think they're closer to that team, a lot closer to that team than they are the team that were kind of struggling looking on course relegation earlier in the season and I think I think there's a decent chance this Bournemouth team can push for top for, for maybe a top eight top top to, to top nine spot obviously they are heavily reliant on Dominic Slanky so he'll need to stay fit and for all um, all those backed him for top goal score without Erling Haaland like I hope a few out there did um, like as in the preseason pod I think he's looking very strong at the moment but I, so I think the market hasn't fully caught up to how good Bournemouth are and I don't think the market is factoring fully factoring in Liverpool's injuries. I think just just a stat I, I really like to look at is is the key passes statistic. So for for people who, are, who aren't aware, that's just it's simply kind of passes that lead to a shot. So it's generally the most kind of creative players in in the Premier League who are up there in the statistic guys like Kevin De Bruyne, James Madison, Jack Grealish in years past, and both Trent Alexander Arnold and Mo Salah are in, are, in, are in the top ten in that statistic. So Liverpool are losing so much creativity and so much kind of and so much quality and, and so much quality in that area Salah, Salah and then kind of more standard statistics Salah leads the league in goal involvements with, with 22 
that's gone. I, I, I think this season, I think there's probably a bit more doubt around the supporting cast. I think Luis Diaz, he's had some good matches recently, but I don't think he's quite looked the player he, he has been to when he originally kind of signed from Porto that first few months when Liverpool went close to the quadruple. I think he looked, looked, looked an unbelievable player. I don't think he's quite at that level this, this season. Still a few doubts for me around Cody Gakpo, Darwin Nunez, we know is raw. So I think there's, there, there, there isn't, there just there's, there are a few doubts around that Liverpool forward line. I, I think it'll be key for them if they can get Dominic Sabas back from injury as quick as possible. I think he can maybe pick up some of that creative slack as he did at Leipzig. And he may be an option potentially in the front three, I think, with Liverpool. Yeah. The way some Liverpool's midfield are playing this year, the likes of Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott are really, I think, are really stepping up. So I think he might be an option in the front three there. I think, I think as well, I think, Credit to you, Kev. I think what we talked about with Tara Wendo when he signed for Liverpool, there was a lot of talk around him being kind of a short-term cheap stopgap cheap option. I remember you really talking him up and saying how good he was. That's really borne out in the last couple of months. I think he's actually been one of Liverpool's more important players and they're losing a lot. Obviously, Alexis McAllister is probably arguably a better player than Endo, but not in that he's holding not midfield. not a six, is he? Not, not a six, exactly. Not in that holding midfield position. So I think, I think you're, Liverpool are just lo- losing a huge amount. Uh, and I... I, I, I I, 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 think, I think they should be a lot bigger than than 175 here. I, yeah, I, I happily back Bournemouth winner draw, winner draw double chance. I also I think if you're doing kind of a Saturday punt, I, I I'd look at maybe Bournemouth in the 90 minute market that we have on Betfair. I think this is to me this is a very foreseeable where this again that Bournemouth are leading the game late on maybe Liverpool Nicolette goals kind of get a, get a kind of a dodgy point so I think eleven to four on Bournemouth in the ninety minute payout market is is fair enough as well. And big bad Boise in the building, Alex Boys from Betfair's website betting.betfair.com with us once again. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because Liverpool have been to Bournemouth and won in the League Cup earlier this season, Nunez scored a brilliant goal. But this does feel like a massive test for them with so many players out injured. Yeah, it does, yeah. And, and again, I will say this, I haven't looked at this game from a betting perspective, but in terms of how I see the game going, I kind of align with what the two lads have said, to be honest. I can't really make a strong case for Liverpool. I mean, it's crazy to think we've, <laughs> we're all saying this, yet they're sitting top of the Premier League fairly handsomely at the moment. You know, I know City are back in form and stuff, but let us not forget so we don't get too many trolls that Liverpool are top of the league. But Bournemouth, I noticed over the last 10 games as well that Bournemouth had actually scored the same number of goals as Liverpool over the last 10 as well. So Bournemouth, we know they're in right at the top of the form table. They're banging in goals. They're great to watch. They've got the joint third top scorer in Dominic Solanke in their side. You know, hopefully for them, he stays for at least for the rest of the season uh, to see where they can eventually end up. But yeah, absolutely. I don't think Jurgen Klopp would be thinking this is a... This is a, an easy game. I mean, their, their away form since the start of last season hasn't been great and it held them back tremendously last year. And even though they've really improved that home form, they've still, you know, what the gap could be if they could replicate that away form from a few years ago. So, yeah, definitely not so the Liverpool in this one. We always want to know how they're going to be without Salah. Um, but no Trent as well, that's massive. So, um, yeah, no bet for me, but I wouldn't be looking at Liverpool and uh, maybe maybe Solanke would be the, the way I would look at it and try and get him on side if he can. Yeah, it's pretty much a clean sweep in terms of uh, backing Bournemouth. Now, we know that injury time goals could be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bets. And now you've got 90-minute payout to rescue you if the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result. As it stands, your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. T's and C's in the description, 18 plus. Be gamble aware.com.
or let's take it to Bramall Lane. Chris Wilder's Sheffield United up against a West Ham team that tumbled out of the FA Cup to Bristol City in midweek. Emmett, Sheffield United still scrapping away, but they do still look like the worst team in the division by quite a distance. They do, but I... I'm not sure we've had like, this one. We might be one of the first pro Sheffield United bets we've had all season, but I'm, I'm, I'm so willing take to take until the 18th of January. Yeah, exactly. I'm willing to make the case. I just think this is a particularly unusual game in terms of. I know people fixtures balance out and all like, but like West Ham are really lucky in terms of the time they're playing West Ham here because just West Ham are, are decimated with absence uh, absences here like the, the West Ham are missing Lucas Paqueta Jared Bowen and then Mohamed Kudus and Leia and Leia Figuard to the Nations Cup so like, that's like four West Ham's best players gone West Ham has scored 33 Premier League goals this season 60% of those goals were scored by those four players. Wow. Then, 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 Saeed Ben Ram again was was um, is is suspended due to kind of a red card against Bristol City. So, but I think it was a bad sign. Like West Ham played close to full strength side against Bristol Pit, Bristol City in midweek, and, and like and Bristol City won the shot count and the shot on tire count and, and won the match. So. I just I think West Ham without those players are quite a mediocre side. Like looking at their bench in midweek in that in that cup match, it was really really poor, and they they are kind of short of options there. And just given that, given given West Ham's absences and West Sheffield United having the rest advantage, like this is a real opportunity for Sheffield United to get at least a point. And Sheffield United have shown a few more signs of life under Chris Wilder. They beat Brentford at home. They drew to Villa at home. Who are really unlucky to lose to Luton at home? They absolutely killed them, killed them on the XG and just kind of a, a few kind of bounces, bounces that didn't go away. So I, I, I kind of I think they can do do enough to at least get a point here. So I, I'd I'd kind of I'd lay I I, 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 I the way I play on the exchange probably lay West Ham at just under one point eight. But if you're if you're a sports book punter, I'd kind of I'd put maybe Sheffield United uh, double chance or kind of draw a bet at uh, 2.4 in your Sunday accumulator. Alex, is that the way you'd go as well or are you a bit more pro-West Ham here? Um, no, I'm certainly not more pro-West Ham. Uh, I was actually thinking Sheffield United are just around 2-1 to one to win this game on the sports book, and I don't know if I remember them being much shorter against the, the non-Big Six teams this season. I mean, that still leaves West Ham as the favourites, of course, but I think it captures the overall sense that a lot of us not sure what to do with West Ham when they're missing all these players, really. Um, Emmett mentioned Bowen there. I actually saw rumours last night that Bowen might be fit, but how fit, I wouldn't be so sure. But on a side note, he better bloody not be fit because I transferred him out of my FPL team a couple of weeks ago and now he's telling me back in there. It cost me points, Kev. It's a fool's error in this fantasy Premier League business. Oh. I keep telling you this, all you youngsters with your FPL teams. Whoever's been toying with us over the last couple of weeks with Bowen's injury, can you just stop? Because I'm having sleepless nights over here. Um, so I am in that camp really that isn't really confident on backing West Ham. Obviously, Ben Rahm is now missing after his red card. Players like Danny Ings the other night, you could see he was just lacking that match sharpness naturally after not playing much football. Um, so, so this is going to be a tight affair, you would think. I mean, Unders is trading at 8-11. So that kind of paints the picture. I mean, Sheffield United have somewhat improved under Wilder. Four points from his six games, which was after they only got five in their first 14. Uh, their defensive numbers have come down. Fewer shots per game. They're allowing a lower XG per match. 
against, and uh, which obviously naturally have brought down their their goals con- conceded down as well. So there are some positives, but you know I think we all agree they're probably not going to stay up at this point. Um, one thing they have struggled with this season under both Heckingbottom and Wilder. Heckingbottom, by the way, I remember when he got the Leeds job. That suddenly so there was like soccer M skets on his like. It's the most Yorkshire name in history. Do you not think? I was thinking Heckingbottom and Wilder does sound like a Yorkshire-based detective <laughs> show, doesn't it, really? I mean, you would that, watch that. That's what that is. consider that after, after this yeah. all goes pear-shaped. But, you know, e-bag them and all that. So, yeah, they've conceded more goals from crosses than any other side this season, 13. So this continues to be a problem since um, Heckingbottom left as well. I think all three of the goals they conceded against Luton a couple of weeks ago were, were via crosses. So... The kind of one man they won't be looking forward to seeing here is, is James Ward-Prowse. So I, I will say that it's only one assist in nine for him, but he remains top of the most chances created from dead balls in the Premier League this season. And he has more assists via crosses than any other player. So it's three to one for James Ward-Prowse to assist any time, which I thought it might be a little bit shorter, actually. I thought it was quite nice. There's plenty of Premier League players priced up a little bit shorter in their games. But let's not stop there. We're going to back the man who gifted Bristol City their winner um, the other night. Can I get this right? Kostinantinos. Kostinantinos. Konstantinos Mavropanos. Konstantinos Mavropanos. You're much more elegant than than I (laughs) to score. I was actually torn between him and Kurt Zuma um, because I was worried that Mavropanos might be dropped. He's actually made a couple of errors uh, leading to goals in his last few games despite having that goal at Arsenal. But Considering he did score against Arsenal um, ahead of from a corner a few games ago, since then he's actually managed four shots in three games and at least one in each. He's going to get my vote here. So this looks like it's going to be tight, as we've said. Often set pieces can decide these sorts of games. So when you have one, or if not the best, um, set piece taker in the league, it gives me hope that we can profit here at some, some juicy prices. So Maverick Pilots is 22 to 1 to score first. It's 10 to 1 any time, and this could be a game that sees a solitary goal. So I'm going to back both. And just like, I mean, what was it? What, which podcast was it where I, I was Neville Longbottom? This time I'm like Emma Watson in Beauty and the Beast. You cannot keep me out of the ballroom, Kev. You're very so tall, gonna, Emma Watson. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to double it up. We're going to go for a small stakes on the Wall Prowse assist and the Mavropanos okay. goal, which is 32 to 1 on the bet builder. A scary and slightly disturbing thought there. I'm still thinking of plot lines for Heckingbottom and Wilder. Somebody's been poisoned with cakes in Whitby, something like that. Loads of episodes uh, that we can come up with as the season progresses. Uh, let's move to the South Coast, shall we? Brighton against Wolves on Monday night. I'm actually going to be commentating on this one, tonsillitis allowing. Uh, Mark, I think this is a really good game, potentially. Yeah, I hope so, because I'm putting up both teams to score at 178 on the exchange. Why wouldn't you when Brighton are involved and the price is just close to four to five? I think that's a, a really attractive uh, option for this fixture. Wolves, you know, obviously missing Huang, no out Nori either, uh, but Zhao Gomez is suspended, so, you know, miss a, a bit of that sort of midfield protection. Um, but um, I think they'll be kind of excited about their prospect of going to Brighton. They've been playing some really good football. I've been very impressed with their. Um, campaign so far, considering Gary O'Neill arrived on the eve of the campaign and he steered them into 11th, playing some some decent attacking football. Uh, Mateus Cunha is still there. He's starting to really sort of take the lead in forward areas, making a name for himself. Pedro Neto's back fit available again too. So 
I think they can cause Brighton problems. I was a little bit surprised to see them as big as they are actually to win this game. I think they're trading around 5.1, which is a big price considering Brighton have only won uh, three games in 14 in the Premier League and only uh, won by two clear goals uh, once since September. So I think Wolves can be competitive in this game, but I certainly expect them to score. Uh, I just sort of steered away from them in sort of any sort of handicap bets because of those unavailable players and they don't seem to be as trustworthy away from Molyneux either but overall they have scored in all bar two games um, and we all know about Brighton's defensive record um, and Brighton at home so far this season have seen BTTS Bank in all of the home Premier League fixtures oh, I know they are missing Matoma Fatty and CISO Adingra and Solly March but Jao Pedro has been playing very well Evan Ferguson, is, uh, Evan Ferguson is fit and available and Gross has been brilliant in midfield in recent weeks too and Estupinian's back as, as well so uh, Welbeck as well played himself back into form two and you always expect, always expect Brighton to score. So if BTTS can land in home fixtures against Burnley, Luton and Sheffield United, I see no reason why it shouldn't against Wolves either. So BTTS at 178 on the exchange. Yeah, I think when Julian Lopetegui left, he kind of made out as if there was a load of old rubbish in that squad. Whereas actually there are a lot of good players. I think Gary O'Neill kind of arrived and went, these are fine. <laughs> no problem with these players at all. Uh, let's take it to the championship. Massive, massive game, this one. Leicester and Ipswich, two teams have been very impressive in the second tier so far. Alex, what have you got for us? Yeah, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, what a clash this is going to be. The top two, as you said, Kev, I mean, they only played each other for the first time on Boxing Day, so it's the second clash in a few weeks. Leicester, seven points per Ipswich. 10 of Southampton in third, and obviously they look pretty good for promotion now. Um, I think winning here would cement that for, for the rest of the chasing pack, but I'm not so sure they do win here, actually. Coming off the back of a 3-1 defeat to Coventry last week, where they conceded three times in the final 15 minutes, and they lost another one of their key players in uh, Abdul Fatawu, who was sent off for an absolute cruncher in the first half. I mean, I'd recommend anyone to watch that tackle, because... Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a bad one, but it was you know, it was quite joyous to watch sometimes. Mark's already know. watched it about 300 <laughs> times, I reckon. Yeah, he has. Beautiful. Thing yeah. <laughs> of beauty. I knew it. <laughs> they are tempting to oppose um, with that added layer. I mean, the irony with Fatawa is that he could have gone to AFCON for Ghana. He rejected he rejected the call up to stay and keep his place at Leicester. And now he's banned for three games. Um, Ghana play Egypt on Thursday. And if they lose that, that's the second loss of the tournament. So he'd likely be back well before his suspension would have been <laughs> up if he'd just gone to Afghan and played. So, yeah, that's, that's fairly amusing. Um, so there's no Fatawi, no Vardy, no Daka, no Iheanacho, no Ndidi. Some key, key players there. You know, I'd, I'd probably argue Ndidi, probably the biggest loss of them all, actually, uh, the way he's played this season, a slightly different role. Um, I will say, of course, you know, they've got their two leading scorers still fit. Dewsbury Hall, he looks good for player of the season in the whole division, to be honest. And Mavadidi, they've both got nine league goals each and they're both fit. So obviously it's not a completely decimated squad, but definitely some problems to address there. And Ipswich themselves, they had a bit of a wobble, which started with that 4-0 defeat at Leeds uh, just before Christmas. They had a four-game four winless run, um, but a huge win of a Sunderland last Saturday. Uh, coming from behind, and they're still in that driving seat for automatic promotion. Three, you know, three points clear of Southampton. Um, when these sides met a few weeks ago, which needed an injury time equaliser, but they had the lion's share of the game. Actually, they outshot Leicester nineteen to five. You know, ne nearly half of those shots came inside Leicester's box as well. They, they generated nine more corners than Leicester, uh, which brought up plenty of chances from set pieces. So they did deserve a point, at least in my opinion. 
in that one. So the price up at, at three to one, if not a bit bigger, to win here. And a 10 to 11, double chance. So to win or draw, which I think is a great bet. Um, Leicester's home matches have actually generated much lower goals per game than their away games. Uh, probably likely to do to the approach that obviously away teams take when they travel there, but Ipswich won't be defensive here. You know, they will play their attacking pressing game, similar to how Leeds did at Leicester back in October, um, which they won 1-0 that night. So I think the likes of Wes Burns, Nathan Broadhead and, and one of my favourite players in the championship, Connor Chaplin, who just absolutely mm. loves to shoot. I think he averages about four shots per nine. So, he, you know, he's hit like the seven shots mark multiple times a season. So I think they can cause plenty of chaos for this Leicester Leicester back line. Um, it's only two away defeats all season for Ipswich as well. So we know they're strong on their own. So they have won or drawn 13 of their 15 away league games so far. So I'm actually more than happy with the 10 to 11 to, for a double chance. Pressure's growing on Xavi at Barcelona after they were absolutely smacked in the Spanish Super Cup against Real Madrid. Uh, they have a tricky game away at Betis. Mark, this is this is potentially quite big for Xavi because you feel like the one thing he cannot afford here is for his team to get smacked, but they don't look great and they haven't looked great for quite a while, actually. If you think how many times they've had to dig themselves out of trouble this year, or this season, rather, it doesn't feel like a team that's on the up. Not at all. No, um, no, I, I want to be against them um, at odds on prices. We were pro Betis last weekend. They, they left it late to, to pick up the points um, against Granada. But I want to be with them again uh, with a half goal start here. It's 2.14 on the exchange for, for Betis to avoid defeat. Um, this is obviously a much more difficult test, but I've got more than enough faith in them to pick up a positive result um, because there'll be a terrific atmosphere as there always is uh, in Seville when Barcelona come to play, whether it's against Sevilla or Betis, and they are very capable. Um, we've already seen them this season hold Real Madrid, hold Atletico Madrid, hold Girona, the draws here at the Benito Villa Marine. They've only lost three times in La Liga all season. So that's already enough reason to believe that they're capable of, of being a thorn in Barca's side. But as you mentioned, Barca have been trash for, for quite some time, really. Um I can't remember, was it September, October time that they battered Antwerp 5-0? They battered someone else in La Liga 5-0 in back-to-back yeah. games and they look brilliant. September, Michelle. I think. Yeah, uh, Felix has come into the side. They, they were playing with freedom, um, expression, real. They're really exciting to watch. And since then, it's just been nosedive after nosedive, really. And I just can't trust them away from home at the minute. They failed to win five of nine away league games already this season. They've only kept two clean sheets away from home in La Liga. Of their four away league victories, one of which came at Real Sociedad, despite being utterly dominated in that game, it was a real smash and grab. Recently, they had to come from behind at Las Palmas when being completely unconvincing to win. They're also put under real pressure and failed to convince when being held at both Valencia and Rio uh, since the end of November. So they are far from bomb-proof, as we saw against Real Madrid in the Super Cup, just being destroyed, really. Xavi is rightfully under pressure. Um, that squad is more than good enough to compete at the top end, but at the minute, they are struggling for top four. Uh, Athletic are ahead of them in the league, in the La Liga standings, which is, you know, I mean, everyone knows how embarrassing that is, really, considering what Athletic's constraints are. So, yeah. still no they literally Stegen. cannot afford to miss out on the Champions League. Like I know people, we we say that, but they literally can't afford to do that because the whole pulling of levers, and you name it, is predicated on that Champions League money coming in. So if they miss out, they're in big trouble. 
They are, and obviously at the start of the season, no one anticipated Girona being the side that they are to kind of infiltrate the big three, um, and no one expected Athletic to be up there in the reckoning. Uh, Real Sociedad have still got room to room to improve yeah. too. So this is going to be incredibly tight, incredibly difficult for Barca, who are still missing Ter Stegen, who has been their saving grace so many times in the last couple of years. No Gavi, uh, no Rafinha, no Jacques Cancelo, and. Robert Lewandowski hasn't really been the same player uh, this campaign either. So, you know, across the board, Barca are looking vulnerable, looking fragile, and this is a really trappy game. So, you know, Betis are missing a few themselves, but I think at home with the energy, the physicality, the tenacity that they'll bring to this game, more than happy to back them to avoid defeat uh, uh, better than evens. Um, should mention as well, too, that Betis have had a free midweek. Barca obviously played that Super Cup game in Saudi Arabia. They're also involved in Copa del Rey action on Thursday night, albeit against lower league opposition, but it sounds like Barca are fielding close to a best 11 for that fixture too. So, you know, Betis have had their feet up all week. Um, Barca away in Saudi Arabia, away again on Thursday and away again on Sunday. More happy to oppose them at the prices. Let's take it to the German Bundesliga. I'm going to back by in minus two on the handicap and Harry Kane to score against Werder Bremen. You get 1.98 on the bet builder for that, and I think that's decent. Bayern won 4 0 in the reverse fixture, could have won by more in that game. They've tended to smash Fair to Bremen, um, not just recently, but you know, in recent history as well. They're looking so, so sharp against the kind of lesser lights at home. They tend to duff up the big the smaller teams. Uh, the Allianz, they won 8-0 against Darmstadt. They won 7-0 against Borkum. This feels like the kind of game that they will whiz through. Kane has already equaled the record that set was set by Lewandowski for the most goals in the first half of a Bundesliga season. He's got 22 already. He's only played 16 games, so no reason why he can't be on the score sheet as well. So I thought that was decent. If Bayern win by three goals or more and Kane's on the score sheet, then we get a full payout at close to evens. Let's wrap it up in Serie A. Empoli against Monza, Mark. And Empoli have made a coaching change, I seem to remember. They have, but I'm not sure it's going to sort of pull them out of the trouble that they're in at the minute because they've been really, really poor for the whole campaign, really. Um, even more so recently, they have made a coaching change. Um, is it a couple of times now this campaign to try and turn the turn the tide? Either way, it's not been getting the you know the new manager bounce, if you like. Um, they've only won three games all season. They've taken zero wins and just three points from the last eight games. They scored just one goal in the last five. They were beaten in last weekend's six-pointer against Verona. Their only home win so far this season came against uh, Salernitana. They do have the worst home record in terms of points earned. And I think they've only scored five goals at home all season in 15 hours worth of football. So quite happy to oppose them here against the Monza side who... You kind of know what you're going to get from Monza. They're never going to be sort of featuring in the top six, but they're also too good to be going down. Yeah. Only made their Serie A debut last season, but finished 11th. They're 11th again this campaign. Um, normally tough as old boots and, and tend to be quite obdurate opposition for the big boys. That wasn't the case last weekend. They were smashed 5-1 by Inter, but you know, that's, that's an anomaly. so far clear of everybody though, aren't they? They're going to do that to teams. They are. Um, they're comfortably the best team in the division. That doesn't happen often for Monza. And I'm always quite keen to kind of get a team on side after they've been delivered a kind of hammer blow like that. They normally get a reaction. So 
if you look at Monza's record this season, they are winless against the top top half. But if you look at their record against the bottom half, unbeaten, six wins from nine, three wins from four unbeaten away trips. They've scored in all nine of those games. They've conceded zero goals in four of those nine games and a maximum of one goal in eight of those nine games, which I think is a, a perfect foundation really to back Monza, draw no bet at 10 to 11, 1.91 away at Empoli. If they score in this game, I'd be very surprised to see them lose and they should be picking up a positive result. That's all we have time for in this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Remember all of our shows are on our YouTube channel now, Betfair's new YouTube channel for non-racing content. So make sure you like and subscribe. Loads of good content on our website, betting.betfair.com. We've got daily tip sheets for the African Cup of Nations. Loads of good stuff from all the European leagues that you could wish. We've got Liga, we've got Bundesliga, got Serie A, we've got La Liga, we've also got the EFL and the Premier League as well. From Alex, from Emmett, from Mark and from me, it's goodbye for now.